Great Adventure Podcast. My name is Dave Burr, along with my co-host Dave LeMasters, and today we are here because of a uh, current event that everybody is aware of, where Israel has declared war, and uh, we're going to talk about not only that event, but also the biblical events that are surrounding that. So Dave, I'm going to throw it over to you and Let's get it started. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. This actually, uh, Dave and I got together last Wednesday, I believe, to have a a power lunch, a planning lunch. And (laughs) we started talking about this because on October 7th, then Israel attacked by Hamas from Gaza. And I'm sure everybody has heard the accounts of what is going on. And so while we were talking... um, one of the scriptures that kind of bumped into me last week, for and I don't know why, but it was from Psalms 83, which is quite interesting. Uh, Psalms was written by David maybe a thousand years before Jesus was born. So there's that's quite a bit of time period, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I, I want to read the uh, Psalms 83 with you. I encourage you to go look it up. Now, the Bible is 27% prophecy. So the prophecies actually start in Genesis and they carry all the way through Revelation, which you think of Genesis and Revelation. Those are kind of the bookends of all the history of Israel, the Jewish people, the Christians, and what have you. So It is really the complete story of God and his character, his grace, his love, and how much we kind of just screwed all up, but he still gives us grace and what have you. But he also does what's called foretelling. So prophecy is not necessarily what I call fortune telling, but the Bible refers to it as a foreshadowing of things to come. And the amazing thing about the Bible is that, well, we'll go conservatively that at least, at least 60% of all prophecies have been fulfilled. Yeah. Um, And some people take that as 80%, right? Mm -hmm. So we're getting getting short on prophecies as they are becoming fulfilled. So with that, I will read part of Psalms 83, and I encourage you to read them because part of the reason why I'm not reading the whole thing, because there's name in here that are really hard for me to pronounce. So, uh, And also the confusion, what, what Psalms 83 depicts is actually 10 nations attacking Israel yes. during this time period. And if you, trans, if you translate the names in the Old Testament to the names today, I think you would be shocked to know that it's really, this looks like a foreshadowing yeah. Of and and I will say that some people believe that uh, Psalm 83 has been fulfilled and some people don't. And so this is important I think for for everybody to start looking into these and make your own uh, assessments and whether you think it has or has not. But Dave as you mentioned between let's say 60 to 80% of Bible prophecies have been fulfilled with deadly accuracy. Right. I mean, exact. Yes. I mean, to the day. Yes. And I will also say that um, the speed at which these things are taking place is picking up. 
yes, is picking up. And so I think a good, I saw, I heard a good uh, example. It was like, you know, when you're coming to a city and you're 100 miles away, you may see a sign. Mm-hmm. When you're 50 miles away, you'll start seeing a couple more signs. By the time you're there, you're seeing signs that say, next exit, McDonald's, <laughs> you know. Uh, next 20 exits. Motel 6, all these different things. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. It's like, we're here. Right. And so just kind of put that in the back of your mind. Is like, what is taking place today? And where are we on the biblical prophecy timeline and uh, I think it's pretty amazing. Right. And part of this, too, that God always reveals his plans to people before it happens. Yes. And um, But you, you can pray for discernment. So because some of the things, they might seem strange or a little bit weird, but some prophecies actually have dual meaning, right? And I think in this case, as though... Um, this was, I forget, this is the time of David. This, actually, David didn't write this psalm. It was the psalm of Asaph, who was actually a great musician. He was, had a beautiful voice. Um, but this is what, as David said, it. There, there was a time period where what is listed here in 83 did happen. But God gives us a foreshadow of things yet to come. Mm -hmm. So it could be, mm -hmm. it could fit. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm just going to read it real quick. Psalms 83, do not keep silent, O God, do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God, for behold, your enemies make atonement, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. And then it continues on talking about the 10 different people, nations. Um, some are actually still is existing today. Mm -hmm. Others you have to translate mm -hmm. to, to look at that. As he goes through that, He's talking about one of the nations who became as refuse on the earth. The meaning of that, of refuse, is that the, those who were killed, the bodies, were left alone. They were not buried. Mm -hmm. They became refuse. Mm -hmm. So that's, and that, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Make their nobles princes and what have you. They want to take the pastures of God for a possession. And then they go on to say, Oh my God, make them like whirling dust like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the wood, and as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest, and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish that men may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. So to me, that talks about God bringing righteousness and protecting his people, but also setting an example for all mankind that he alone is, is Lord, and that they might find that he is actually the Lord God is over the earth. Mm -hmm. Hannah 
2 talks about Gaza. So you want to read 2 yeah. first? Or some people call it Zephaniah. Thank you. That's but, probably uh, a, better, a better way to say it. Yeah, that's all right. So this is called Judgment Against Philistia, or where the Philistines used to live. Uh, Gaza and Ashkelon will be abandoned. Ashdod and Ekron torn down. And what sorrow awaits you, Philistines, who live along the coast and in the land of Canaan? For this judgment is against you, too. The Lord will destroy you until not one of you is left. The Philistine coast will become a wilderness pasture, a place of shepherd camps and enclosures for sheep and goats. The remnant of the tribe of Judah will pasture there. They will rest at night in the abandoned houses of Ashkelon. For the Lord their God will visit his people in kindness and restore their prosperity again. Now, I will say, so Ashkelon is still a viable city, and it's just below Tel Aviv, hmm. if you're looking on a, on a map. But um, I believe in the year 1270, um, Gaza and Ashkelon and all those around that, they were completely destroyed. So sometimes um, when we're reading these things, when we're reading prophecy, we kind of have to uh, understand the, the line of history and go, has this happened or could this happen again? Um, one of the, what we have heard Netanyahu uh, say this week is he wants to go in and completely, completely wipe out that area of Gaza. Now, I will say... You mentioned that Hamas is the one that caused all these atrocities, and they are they are an evil, evil leadership group, no doubt about it. The uh, Palestinian people, a lot of them, most of them, are just I'll say they're people like you and I. Mm -hmm. They are um, they're just trying to do better for their families than you know for their kids than what they had and things like that. Yes, a lot of them they are taught by Hamas at early ages to to hate and to kill and destroy. Anybody that's not them, a Jew, a Christian, or number one or number two uh, on their list. But they have been brainwashed at such an early age that, uh, I mean, that's all they know. Yeah, even their school books in the fifth grade are talking about you know, kill the infidel, mm -hmm. which is you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. yeah, it's the Christians. Yeah, um, but you, but going back to your comment at Gaza, what's interesting to me is that yeah, Gaza was attacked, and but it was rebuilt. But in this prophecy, it says the word that it is utterly de destroyed and it will turn to pasture lands. And, yeah. And what's amazing, folks, and um, I don't know all the political ins and outs, but uh, Gaza is actually managed by Hamas. The, Hamas is the governing uh, authority. Israel has handed that over to them to manage themselves. But uh, I have a quote here somewhere that talks about people like Hamas. Now, the... the, the uh, the parent of Hamas was ISIS, and of course, America went and eradicated ISIS because of what they did to us. So it's really kind of yet another faction that is against um, United States. You know, United States is the great Satan, and Israel is the little Satan. 
but not according to what I believe, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, well, that's interesting you brought ISIS up. And let me just talk about Damascus here for a minute. Damascus is in Syria. And ISIS completely el eradicated, eliminated all Christians in Damascus in 2014. Mm -hmm. So as of today, I don't think there's probably any Christians that are living in Damascus. And there are, we can go through a couple of scriptures about what the Bible says is going to happen to Damascus. Yeah, Damascus is going to be no more. And Damascus has never been destroyed. Mm -hmm. It's been there for 5,000 years. Yep. And it's well known that Hamas, uh, Hezbollah, they have been storing weapons under the city of Damascus. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't take much pinpoint bombing, probably, <laughs> completely. To, to completely destroy that city. But it's, that is a prophecy that has not been fulfilled yet. But boy, I'm telling you, it, could it happen at any day? It sure could. Yeah, an example of that. I mean, war is, is you know, a tool of Satan, I believe. The real Satan. Mm -hmm. And um, just today, the... <laughs> Um, Hamas is claiming that the Israel Defense Force bombed a hospital and over 500 people were killed, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is with Hamas, they actually have missile batteries and they have command centers and they put them in schools, in hospitals, yeah. you know, under apartment human, buildings. Human shields. And they have, I didn't know this, but the, the reporter who's been in various wars uh, at Israel and he was in a hotel with Hamas there, you know, having their command center. And they had to evacuate because they have about a 30% misfire rate when they're sending off these missiles. Mm. And they're speculating if Hamas says, oh, it was IDF, it was probably a misfire that blew up the hospital, right? That's just speculation. We don't really know what the truth yeah, is. Who knows? But we really have to guard our heart. In our minds that we don't know the real story because right. what what Hamas is trying to do now is they're they're very good at propaganda. They they're showing pictures. I'm not going to do the details of all the carnage that has taken place. It is to induce fear, and of course, anything that they mistakenly do, they blame on Israel to mm -hmm. help. They want the peop the world to sympathize with them. Sure, yeah. and unfortunately. Surprising enough, there's a lot of universities here oh, yeah. in America yeah. who are siding with Hamas. Yes, we have our we have our own government, federal government people. Oh, yeah. who are people that we elected? Uh, well, I, I know about me. I didn't elect them, but we we the United States <laughs> yeah. people, yeah, have elected. Yeah, these these type of people to lead our country. And, and one, one of the things, I'm not going to give the exact quote uh, or state what the religion is, um, but they do say, the last hour will not come before we fight the Jews and kill them all. Yeah. That is what they continually teach their children and introduce. They actually, where's my other quote here? Take not the Jews and Christians as friends. Slay the idolaters wherever you find them. Besiege them and prepare for them each ambush. Yeah. 
And that is the propaganda that they teach yeah. and preach, which is contrary to what the Bible teaches us about. Yes. You know, it's really hard and to love enemies, right? Jesus said, love your enemies. And so, and, and I did talk about this in a Bible study is that, okay, we hear about what's going on in Israel. We hear what Hamas is doing. How do we pray for Hamas? That's what Jesus said. Pray for your enemies. Mm -hmm. Who's our enemy in this case? Mm -hmm. Hamas. Mm -hmm. So what became apparent to me, and this is, this is more of, folks, this is a war between good and evil. The players in it are mostly pawns. They're being used. And so yes. what I've asked folks to do for help praying, I mean, yes, of course, pray for Israel and, and God's protection over them. And you know what? Israel has committed some pretty nasty things, but so has America. Oh, in, in our history, yes. did terrible atrocities. There's a lot we're not proud of. So this is not putting ourselves above and beyond them, but we should be praying against the powers, principalities, kings, thrones. And this is from a spiritual, there is a spiritual battle going on. There are demonic forces that are over different governments. And what we can pray is that the people's eyes be open, that their ears be open, that they see it for, for really who it is. Because who it really is, folks, who wants to destroy everything God has made? Satan. Satan. Yeah. And from the very beginning, Satan has tried to destroy God's people. And God ha God's chosen people is the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. However, even though Jesus came and Jesus mostly focused on the on the Jewish people, when when and he did um, also preach to the Gentiles, so you and I are Gentiles, mm -hmm. uh, but his focus really was on the Jewish people. He then, though, when he died and rose again, he met with the disciples at a regular place they always go to, and he appeared to him, and that's where he gave them the great commissions. And he said, to go out, I'm paraphrasing, I should probably look it up, but to go out and make disciples of all nations, Jews and Gentiles alike, mm -hmm. that we're to go and uh, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And that is our great commission, that we're to go out and teach people about God's love, God's grace, God's redemption, God's salvation, and that no matter what we do, we can't earn our way to heaven. It's only through Jesus, right? So we're, we're, we worship the God of love. Other religions worship many, 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 many gods, or uh, they, they worship Allah, who is more like the god of anger, you know? Um, well, in fact, in the Quran, uh, the word love is not written in there anywhere. Hmm. Zero times is the word love in the Quran. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Makes you, things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, yeah. And to that effect, Dave and I were talking before we started the podcast that... Um, Abram, which uh, is the father, they call him the father of, of, of the Jewish faith. 
um, he, his name was first Abram, and then he was called Abraham. And Abram was got married, and God had promised him many descendants, right? Many, many, many descendants. Yet his wife, her name was Sari at that point, she was barren. And so Sari got impatient. And 100 years old, if I remember right. Yeah, well, was she not? Uh, well, that was later. That's when she had Isaac. But there's okay. something that happened before that. Okay. So Sari got impatient because God had talked to Abraham and made this promise. And so this is where us guys, we get ourselves in trouble when we do listen to our wife. <laughs> anyway, so what Sari said, oh, here's my maidservant. Why don't you sleep with her, pop out a baby, and that way I'll have, you know, mm -hmm. through her I'll have children. So Abram decided, oh, what the heck. He was like 86 years old at that point. Mm -hmm. And yes, um, she got pregnant, and so um, they called him Ishmael. So Ishmael was actually born first. And then a couple of years later, out pops Isaac. Right. Mm -hmm. So Isaac was not the firstborn for Abraham. Right. And born to Sarah. And and yeah, Isaac was born through Sarah because God kept his promise. Sometimes we get mm -hmm. a little impatient. God will promise us something. And what do we do? We're the one it now generation, mm -hmm. you know, instant this. That's Definitely. why you have fast food, you know, mm -hmm. fast pizza, you name it. <laughs> so. Abraham was like, oh, no, what have I done? You know, Isaac and God actually then, uh, Dave, if you can look up Genesis 16, there's uh, 12 and read that. And then 16, 16. As we wait. So what's interesting here um, that if you follow the lineage of Ishmael. Oh, I got to say, too, that Hagar was... Egyptian, was she not? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so Ishmael actually then became a leader for all of Egypt. Anyway, so if you look at... Yeah, you want me to do sure. uh, Genesis 16, 12? Yeah. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his, first, his fist against everyone... And everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. That would be Ishmael. Mm -hmm. All right, 1616. Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Okay. So it wasn't until I, uh, Abraham was almost, was it 90? If you read on it, I didn't have that listed. 99 when uh, God reappeared to him. Okay. All right, so this is uh, Genesis 17, uh, beginning, beginning at uh, verse 19. But this is uh, God and Abraham, Abraham are having a discussion. And, uh, and so, and again, God's telling Abraham that he's going to have all these descendants, and Abraham's kind of laughing. Like, how can this be? You know, how, how is Sarah going to have a baby when she's 90 years old? And uh, so he, Abraham's going, well, so is Ishmael going to live under the special blessing? And this is where it picks up at 19. 
God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. So that's interesting. Isaac all along was God's chosen one for the Jewish nation, mm-hmm. um, not Ishmael. But here, once again, mankind, in their impatient, kind of throws a curveball. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even before that, I had looked at, the, and we were talking about in in seventeen eight. God says to him, "Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." Now that's kind of interesting. So uh, this is where God declares the land of Canaan which is quite larger at that time than just little, tiny, little mm-hmm. Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Um, so God had declared that Canaan was the land of milk and honey that Moses was to go out and find later, much later on, right? But one thing that God cannot do is he cannot break his promises. So what we're saying here is that throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, there are many, many, many prophetic scriptures that really point out what God's plan is for Israel. Mm-hmm. And Israel was, was really known as um, Canaan. It was also known as Judah. And here's a surprising one. It was known as Palestine. And now Israel. And the whole history of Israel, it was through Jacob. It was known as Palestine, but it was never recognized. Right. As a as nation. A, as a nation. Right. Yeah. And it was a mixture. Well, what's what's interesting, and what we're going to do is uh, we have a link that goes through many of this, the, the history of the Hebrews and what we're talking about. And what this, this is a, a, a scholar who has researched uh, Jewish tradition and history he said that at one point, uh, the Jewish nation, well, people were in Palestine and they were considered Palestinians. And it was only the Jewish people who were Palestinians, not just, you know, Egypt. So Palestine today is, is Egypt. Um, it's a mixture mm-hmm. of various people. Yeah. And actually, Palestine people that are pure blood Arab is only like, I think 18%, and the other 80-some percent are not Arabs, yeah. right? So yeah. that doesn't help settle, you know, the, the, the two-state solution. Um, when, you, when you look at Jerusalem, is the center place of the three major religions of the world, right? Judaism, Muslim, and Christians, mm-hmm. right? And that's a focus. And even uh, there's history that the first temple and then the second temple was built uh, by um, 
David built the first one. Mm -hmm. Then it was Solomon. He made it much bigger mm -hmm. and more glorious in its grandeur. Yes. And then uh, one day Jesus was walking through the uh, the temple. And this this thing was huge. I don't have the exact quote. I, I had it back, but it would hold like twelve football fields. That's all. And there was gold, you know, ornaments and and on the stone. And Jesus prophesied, saying that. The, all of what you see here will be destroyed completely, and there will not be one rock laying on top of another. Mm -hmm. This is huge. Big columns, you yeah. name it. You'd think when it got destroyed that you would have some rocks laying on top of each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Here's, here's mm -hmm. why. The Romans came in A.D. 70, and they destroyed the temple. And because there was gold wrapped around the pillars... They knocked all the gold down, or all the pillars down, to get the gold off of it, right? So they didn't leave any stone unturned yeah. to get all that. Yeah. But this is where I was saying is that prophecies actually have dual meaning at times. When Jesus talked about, he says, "You see this temple hill; it will be rebuilt, you know, in three days." Well, right. he was equating the destruction of the temple actually when Jesus died, yeah, but he would raise again in three days, right? So along the lines of Jerusalem, I looked up this. So Jerusalem was actually a city, I, I don't have the old name, but it goes back to uh, 3500 AD. So we're talking 55,000, I mean, yeah. 5,000 years ago. Yeah. Two and three is mm -hmm. five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 5,500 years ago. So Jerusalem, um, to date, Jerusalem has been destroyed two times. Uh, it has been sieged 23 times. It has been tacked 52 times. We should say now 53 because some missiles hit Jerusalem. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, it's been captured and recaptured 44 times. Crazy, isn't it? What is with this small little country? Mm -hmm. What's it, the size of New Jersey or something? I don't something know. Something like that. Yeah, not very big. It's not very big. Yeah. And yet the whole world constantly goes after the Jewish people. And I yeah. just found out, too, I didn't realize this, but during the Crusades, the Catholic Church sent... Um, armies to Jerusalem, and they killed thousands and thousands of the Jews. You might ask why. Why did he do that? They were being vindictive because the Jewish people killed Jesus. So the Christian church, the Catholic <laughs> church, decided to go wipe them out. Kill all the Jews. Yeah. yeah. And they did. And there's just history upon history upon history of the, the the world having uh, disdain and hatred towards the Jewish people. Yeah, and Hamas Hamas doesn't really you know they want they want the city of Jerusalem that is true, but what do they want more than that? Kill all the Jews and Christians and Christians. Yeah, yeah. So Jerusalem is the. Um, is the big is the big goal mm -hmm. to conquer that and to own that and you know obviously Jerusalem is is God's favorite city and so Satan wants to destroy anything that God loves 
And so Satan is all about destroying Jerusalem, anything that he can do to destroy that city. And there is one caveat to that, though. Hmm. So Jerusalem, I mean, I think Satan reads the Bible. He just doesn't have the Holy Spirit to kind of give him discernment, right? right? (laughs) But Satan wants to establish himself um, in Jerusalem, in the whole God's holy city, right, and have people worship Him, yeah, right. So he wants to establish his throne in Jerusalem, and yet Jesus has declared that after, uh, and this goes into Revelation. Revelation uh, Christian folks should read it. It's not that scary. <laughs> it's prophetic, and it actually it's heaven's viewpoint of the Messiah. It kind of gives you heaven's perspective, but uh, Revelation is not about America. Mm-hmm. It's not about Europe. Right. It's all about God's salvation for the Jewish people. Yeah. They've been looking for the warrior king, the Messiah, and this is where it's fulfilled. Then they'll realize, oh, there, it was Jesus all along, yeah. right? Yeah. And it talks about that Jesus... Their, their eyes are blind right now. Right. Jesus will establish... Um, his kingdom here on earth for 1,000 years. And he will rule over the world, right? And then it, it goes on to really, the, the that would be, then become, and then there's a new heaven, a new earth that's established. But it's really, uh, the Bible, when you look at it, really is all about the Hebrews, the Jewish people, and they're wavering. They, God called them a stiff-necked people, right? They're mm-hmm. stubborn. They see mm-hmm. all these things. He constantly rescues them. Um, I, think that, I think that's why he chose them, because they are that way. And he's like, if I can, I, I will work through you because you are the most stubborn, pig-headed people around. And, uh, and you're going to be amazed at what I can do through you. Yeah, so kind of to wrap this up in a nutshell, I mean, um, we only touched on a few scriptures. There's yeah. there's a lot here, folks. Yes. And and we as Christians, what we believe is that, uh, what we believe and what we know is Jesus will have the final victory. And this, and, and Dave, you said it earlier, is, and, and if you go read Matthew 24, right? Well, let's, let's look at Matthew 24 real quick. All right. I have to look it up. Mm-hmm. I don't have it marked, but I, I know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where are you starting at? Matthew 24. That's a great place to start. All right. So Matthew 24. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. Sounds familiar. (laughs) See that you are not troubled. 
For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to the tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Again, kind of sounds like today. You know? mm-hmm. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, and it, quote, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in, in these days. And pray that your flight might not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, not ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and the flashes to the west, so shall, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For whenever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its lights, and the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. Now then, this parable from the fig tree, when its branches have already become tender, it puts out leaves, and you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the very door. But surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, where so all will be coming of the the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And then it goes on talking about um, two men walking, and that's this mm-hmm. kind of defines more of mm-hmm. what's going to happen when the, the angel gives the shout and blows the trumpet. Then what we believe, and that's where it really talks about the rapture. Even the word rapture does not exist. Right. The word harpazo, which is snatching, the quickening, in the twinkling of eyes, that goes on. Yeah, yeah. I think the key uh, for us to remember is like early on, um, it says don't panic when you see these things. Yeah. Uh, and the reason we don't need to panic is because this is all planned out. Yep. This is biblical prophecy that is, like I said at the beginning, it's like dead on. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the signs. So, and we just read it that there will be people claiming to be Christ and prophets, and they mm-hmm. will do great signs and wonders mm-hmm. so that people will get deceived. Mm-hmm. But he's Jesus is clear. He says, uh, as he ascended to heaven, he's going to return the same way in the clouds. And that is uh, where we who are in Christ, uh, it says that those who are asleep, which means the people who are dead, they meet up with Christ first. Mm-hmm. And then we we get caught up. And we're talking, you know, a twinkling of eye is one-tenth of a second. Right. Not long. <laughs> <laughs> it's quick. So... <laughs> And and you were talking about the, the signs. So I believe we are in the season. Jesus did say, when you look at the signs, know that it's the season. Mm-hmm. He did say it's not, not the time, but it's the season. Yeah. And that's what I think we're into is the season. Yeah, because, folks, if you go look at USGS, you go look at the earthquakes. There has There's always been earthquakes. So ever since, you know, Jesus rose from the dead and went to heaven, he's been going to return, right? Mm -hmm. And people say, well, that hasn't happened. It wasn't going to happen. But this is where I think the the scripture, the Bible says that a thousand years is like one day and one day is like a thousand years to to God. So it's really only been two days. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know. Since Jesus was here on earth. Right. Yeah, 2,000 years. So you think it this way, Jesus... Uh, Two days and 23 seconds. Well, 23 he, minutes. <laughs> he, he um, in, in that kind of time, because God really is timeless. He, does, he yeah. exists outside of time. But if you even take that, so uh, Jesus uh, died and rose again in A.D. 30, 33, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. So what's that 2,000 years from now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twenty thirty. Yeah, right around the corner. And if you, uh, again, no man nor the day or hour, so I'm not being mm-hmm. prophetic here. I'm just thinking of things to think about. So how long, if you took and read Genesis through Leviticus and Numbers and all that, so from Adam to today, how many years do you think it's been since Adam existed? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
how many years? Yeah. I'm going to take a guess here, Dave. I'll say 7,000 years. Okay. Well, that's close. But to, to, to this year, to 2023, okay. it's exactly 5,997 years. Really? 5,997. And I, I found this on a website where a scholar had gone through and he did all the math. Yeah. Because the lineage is all, you know, Adam was 960 years yeah. old. Mm -hmm. But then I've heard too, like, well, that's a different age. Their, their time, you know, 960 was probably he was only 60. No, 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 no. Yeah. When God created the earth, um, he, he, he mandated a day as being the passing of night and the passing of day. The ancient empire of Babylon, they came up with a time system. And what they did is they looked at the stars and then they kept track of how long it took to see those same stars again, meaning run revolution mm -hmm. where they are. And they, yeah. it's going to be pretty close because they're along the um, the equator, mm -hmm. right? Close enough. Yeah. Um, and science, though, says this. Now, remember, they use stars to equate a 24-hour period. Guess how long it takes the Earth scientifically to rotate one full revolution? Oh. Want me to guess again? Sure. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 23 hours and 57 minutes. That is very close. <laughs> 23 hours and 56 Seriously. <laughs> so that's the, the science on that one. behind it. And then, then now they're saying the Earth is going slow or whatever. But yeah. I have heard from people say... Well, how do we know that, you know, Adam lived 906? Because God mm -hmm. defines what a day is. Yeah. He also defined what a year is. Mm -hmm. He also defined what the, there would be seasons. Now, maybe in, in Israel, well, I lived in Africa. We had two seasons. <coughs> Excuse me. Israel has them all. They, have, they get snow yeah. up in Mount oh, Armand. Okay. Yeah, and uh, uh, of course it's blistering hot in the... Uh, in the summer. In the summer. And I was actually there in February, March, April, and beautiful springtime. It was gorgeous. To go there in spring. Well, I wouldn't go there now. Things are kind of blown up. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I'd wait. <laughs> but we live in Africa. We were first in the Congo, and then we moved to Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. <clears throat> there for five years. Excuse me. Two seasons. Dry season. Mm-hmm. And rainy season. <laughs> Dry season, no rain. Rainy season, lots of rain. Probably more are equal to Seattle. <laughs> but it would pour down. Thing. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, God had defined that. And then here's another interesting thing. I hadn't really looked at this. So in the, in the creation, in Genesis, um, if you start looking at it and ask questions while you're reading it. So here's what I think is interesting. God spoke and he created, right? He spoke and the world was created. He spoke the night and day. He spoke. When it came to Adam, he did not speak. What did he do? He put his hands in the dirt and formed the mm. image of man. And then he breathed into him and gave him life. Yeah. So he created him out of something. And then Eve was the same thing. 
He didn't speak Eve into existence. He took part of Adam and he formed woman, which was the perfect mate. Yes, boy, girl, folks. That Mm -hmm. was it. (laughs) And uh, breathed into her, right? And so God is a creator. He made man and woman, and he gave dominion over of all all the animals, what have you, gave dominion uh, from, from man. What's interesting, though, is that he made animals at the same time as man. Prior to that, like on the fifth day, he created flowers and seed and herbs and what have you, grass and what have you. In order for grass to live and plants, what do they need? Well, they need sunlight, they need water, yeah, right, things like that. So if the time frame was not a day, right. let's say the time frame was a thousand years that we <laughs> talked about, right. I, I don't think the plants would have survived <laughs> a thousand years without sun. Had to have some deep roots. Right. <laughs> so, but my wife, she says, well, you know, God could just make it so like that. And I go... Yeah, sure. Shoot my bubble down. Yes, he could have done that. <laughs> but uh, what's what's interesting is that, and I, I really did connect. He made man and he made animals on the sixth day. Hmm. The plants and flowers were already there mm-hmm. for man to take care of. It had anything more than day. Okay, maybe it was five days. Does it really matter? No. Uh, I believe that. God brought about the day as a 24-hour period because that's how long it takes the world to revolve one time. Now, if you're on Saturn, that's a different story. It's like 100 years is one day. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think the plants and animals would last that long. Anyway, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Anyway, there, there's a lot more. I would say if you folks want to hear more, just uh, you can um, leave voice message or email and let us know what you think. And we probably will do some more as, as this continues on. And then we can talk about other scripture as sure. things unfold. Yeah. All right. This is going to conclude the uh, special edition of the Great Adventure Podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will catch you on the next one. God bless. Take care, all.